Hey, this is Cooper Smith. I'm one of the student worship pastors at Eastview, and I'm honored to welcome you to our Eastview Students High School Podcast. We hope this is encouraging, inspiring, and helpful for you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy the message. All right, um, I'm going to need some volunteers to start out this sermon. Um, Who thinks they are good at riddles? Solving riddles. Okay. Um, Let's see. Emery, you just came up. Who's up there? Austin, you were already up here today. I I can't call on you again. Okay. Who are you pointing at? Silas? All right, Silas, come on up. Hey, come on, come on. You can start it. You can start it off. Okay, just so you guys know, I've got money today. I've got cash prize, all right? All right, so this is an easy riddle, uh, I think. So Silas, this is for $1, okay? You get a dollar if you can answer this riddle, and I'm going to give you 30 seconds to answer it, okay? So let's throw that first riddle up on the screen. Okay, David's father has three sons, Snap, Crackle, and... Say it louder. Pop. Pop. It's not pop. The answer is David. David's father has three sons. Sorry, no dollar for you. Uh, Sorry. Okay. All right. Silas is a good champ because I. I thought that one was easy, but it's just going to get harder. Okay. All right. I need, I need another person. Okay. Ben, ben Hines, come on up. Give a hand to Ben, everyone. Okay. All right, Ben, this one's a little harder, so I've got $2 for you. All right. We're up in the ante here. We're up in the ante. All right. Here we go. Forward, I am heavy. Backward, I am not. What am I? A ton. A ton is correct. Yes. You guys didn't get it? Going forward, it's heavy. Spelled backwards, ton is not. Get it? Oh, okay. All right. Who's... All right, I got, I got a hard one now. Okay, yeah, yeah. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah, you're right here. Right here. All right. I haven't learned your name yet, man. What's your name? Sean. Sean? Yep. Okay, Sean, this is for... We're going to go for $3 here, okay? Because this, this is a hard one. This is a really hard one, Okay. It's a long, long way. Okay. Four cars come to a four-way stop, each of them coming from a different direction. They can't decide who got there first, so they all go forward at the same time. All four cars go, but none of them crash into each other. How is this possible? It's not the same four-way stop. It's not the four. That is not the correct answer, but it's because it's so hard, I will give you another chance. So they all come to the same four-way stop. They're coming from all different directions. They can't decide who got there first, so they all go forward at the same time, but nobody crashes. How is that possible? Are they all turning? They're all turning right. There you go. Good job, Sean. All right. You're welcome. $3 for you. Treat yourself nice. All right. Uh, I have got one more, and I'm just warning this one is a doozy. Okay, Charlotte, come on up. Give a hand to Charlotte, everyone. All right, this one's, this one's hard. So I'm going to up the ante. I'm going to pull out my wallet. Charlotte, I've got 20 bucks right here if you can answer this one. Okay, $20. What did Zach dream about last night? 
She said I dreamt about God. That is incorrect. I am sorry. You get you can have one more guess though. What did I dream about last night? And I need all of the details. Something with you in it, obviously. Something with me in it, okay. And Ratasha. And Ratasha, okay. And you did something. Okay. All right. Incorrect. Incorrect. That was not what the dream was about. Okay. Give a hand to Charlotte, everyone. Okay. Uh, I'm. Anyone think that that last question was an unfair question? Okay. Everyone else got riddles that maybe made sense. Okay. But this last one did not. Okay. Who could just guess what someone dreamed about? without having any information whatsoever, right? Who could do that? Well, I, I'm glad you all understand that that is a difficult question because in our passage today, that same question is demanded to be answered by the king of Babylon. He's going to demand that his dream be told and interpreted. However, however, it's a little more serious Instead of just being a little embarrassed, maybe because you're in front of all your friends and you're not getting the answer right there, um, imagine if I tell you, imagine if I told Charlotte, Charlotte, if you can't tell me the dream, uh, I'm going to kill you. Okay? All right, that is the situation we are in today. So go ahead, open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. Also, Tech, can we get the lighthouse lights up a little bit so I can see everyone? Thank you. All right, op- Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. All right, now. We began this series last week that we're calling Fearless in Babylon, okay? And and we're at the beginning of this two-year-long journey going through the book of Daniel. And if you haven't been here with us yet, here's the gist of basically what has happened. So the people of God, they were living in the promised land, and they decide we're going to completely forget about God and we're going to do our own things. And and we're actually going to do a bunch of evil things in the sight of God, but also in the sight of like any normal human being. They're going to do a lot of bad things, things like worshiping idols, things like uh, treating all of the oppressed people really poorly, doing all of these terrible things, basically breaking their covenant with God. And what you need to understand is in the beginning, God promised that they would live happily in the promised land, that God would be their God, that he would protect them, he would keep them safe, as long as they obeyed and they worshipped him, because God is saying, I am the only God. Well, they don't. They don't do that. So what God is going to do is he's going to send these messengers called prophets to go and warn the people of Israel that if they don't repent, if they don't stop doing evil things, that he's going to wipe them out with a nation. They don't listen to the prophets. And so God does exactly that. He sends in Babylon. Babylon wreaks havoc, destroys their city, and sends them into captivity and exile. And last week we talked about these four boys, all right? Four boys that that, uh, scholars say would have been around high school age. These guys are Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You probably know them as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or as I like to call them, Daniel and the boys, okay? And, And that's who these stories have been thrown around, have been been all around, and and so they're thrust into the service of the king. These four guys, Daniel and the boys, they're thrust into the service of King Nebuchadnezzar, who's the ruler of Babylon. 
And Babylon is this pagan nation that has no high view of God. They worship idols. They're all about pleasure. They're all about selfishness. They're all about power. And these four boys go into this type of culture. And we talked about last week how how this is similar to our world today because we live in a culture that doesn't have the highest view of God and Christianity. We live in a culture that worships idols like celebrity and technology and our phones and sex and substances. And we live in a culture that's all about what makes you happy and, and all about just you getting the power, you feeling good about yourself, you being better than everyone else. So with us living in a similar culture to Babylon, the question becomes, like Daniel and the boys, how do we live fearlessly as Christ followers in the world today in our Babylon? And so last week we learned one way to live fearlessly is to have this word called resolve. To have resolve, which means that we set in our hearts that we're not going to compromise our allegiance and our obedience to God and his ways. And I talked about this word last week called non-negotiables. What are our non-negotiables? What is the resolve we're going to have to say, I'm never going to go there. I'm never going to cross that line. I'm always going to be obedient to God. And this week we see another example of how we ought to live fearlessly in our culture today. And that is by being intensely devoted to prayer. And that's what brings us to our story today. So let's set the story here. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, all right? But not like Martin Luther King Jr. But, um, no, okay, Uh, you get it, but it was really bad. Okay, we're going to move on, all right? We're going to move on from that, all right? Yikes, I even wrote that in my notes and just said, wait for laughter. Okay, I'm kidding, I didn't say that, but bad joke. Wow. All right, we're moving on. Okay, so Nebuchadnezzar has been having these recurring nightmares. Okay, he's been having these recurring nightmares. So, so King Nebuchadnezzar, he's sleep-deprived, he's frustrated, because why is he having all of these dreams? He doesn't know what they mean. So what ne- King Nebuchadnezzar does is he calls all his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers to come to him and tell him what his dream meant. All right, and, and, and so all of these magicians and sorcerers and enchanters, they say, sure, just tell us what you dreamed about, and we'll tell, it, we'll tell you what it meant. Just tell us. But here's the interesting part. Nebuchadnezzar isn't playing that kind of game. He's taking it a step further. He says, no, 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 I don't, I, I'm not going to tell you what I dreamed. You're going to tell me what I dreamed first, and then tell me what it means. And then King Nebuchadnezzar goes on to say, and if you don't tell me what I dreamed about, I'm going to tear you limb from limb. Okay? Clearly, King Nebuchadnezzar has some anger issues. All right? But he's serious about this. And the reason why why King Nebuchadnezzar might be making this request for them to tell him what he dreamed about is, number one, Nebuchadnezzar, like most people, may have forgotten what he dreamed about. All right? You ever been in that situation where you wake up and you're like, ah, oh, I know I had a dream that was crazy, but I don't remember it. All right? But I would suggest, and what I'm assuming, a lot of scholars actually assume this, is Nebuchadnezzar has had enough of these so-called liars who have always told him what he wants to hear. He's kind of realized that all of these magicians and enchanters always just tell him kind of what he wants to hear because they're so afraid of him. But this time Nebuchadnezzar is like, I don't, I don't want you to tell me just what I want to hear. I want to know the truth. And it's interesting because I think there is some truth to that in our culture today. 
I don't know if you can see this, but our world is kind of getting fed up with lies, with fake news, with stuff we just want to hear. We want truth. We want what's real. Don't tell me just what I want to hear. Tell me what is real. Tell me what is true. Well, these magicians are like, uh, okay, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, that's just not possible to tell you exactly what you dreamed about. We can't tell you that. And they're like, our, our gods maybe can tell you that, but, but they're not really answering us right now. And, and spoiler alert, it's because they're not really God, right? So the king... Here's this answer. He gets so mad, he orders all of his wise men in Babylon to be killed. Every single one of them. But King Nebuchadnezzar is like, just kill them all. Kill them all. And at first, maybe you're like, well, maybe that's good. These guys are evil anyway. But not so much, because you know who else was a part of the king's wise men? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so Daniel finds out about this news that they have been ordered to be put to death. And they they haven't even done anything wrong. They weren't even in the room when King Nebuchadnezzar was asking these things. But what does Daniel do when he hears about this news? He finds his friends and they pray. And they pray. So Daniel chapter 2 starting in verse 17. Then Daniel went home. And told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret, so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. And that night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven, and he said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. Then Daniel went in to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel said to him, don't kill the wise men. Take me to the king and I'll tell him the meaning of his dream. Arioch quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. The king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? And Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. So now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. So already in, we're, we're two chapters in, and there's two serious situations where these boys' lives are at stake. All right, the, the situation we talked about last week is that they could have been killed, really, for refusing to eat the king's food. The king could have easily just killed these guys for not being obedient to what they were expected to eat. And now we're thrown into this situation, and basically they could have been killed for doing nothing. 
They weren't in the room with all the enchanters and the sorcerers and the magicians when King Nebuchadnezzar wanted his dream being told. But yet they're still in a situation where they're, they, they basically have a death sentence. And so what are they going to do? But, but the thing is that you can see in scripture and often you can see in life when things become dire, when they become desperate, all they could do was pray. There was nothing else to be done besides pray. Um, I know you guys are probably all familiar with just what's going on in the sports world right now with DeMar Hamlin. Okay, you guys have probably heard this story. If you, if you, haven't, if you don't know the name DeMar Hamlin, here's just a quick recap. It's basically there was this football player that plays for the Buffalo Bills that basically went into cardiac arrest during a game. And his heart stopped and he basically died on the field. And it was crazy to watch the world react to this situation. I don't know if you guys watched the news or or, or saw what was going on, but the response by the whole country was unbelievable. You saw all of these teams getting together and praying. You saw people on social media praying. You saw a guy on live TV on ESPN praying in front of the whole world. All of these people were praying, and it showed me that when life gets desperate, we all become prayers. When there is nothing else you can do, all you can do is pray. Because we reach this point that, that you look at the situation and you're like, man, there is nothing I can possibly do for this guy. There is nothing I can do for this situation. It's completely out of my control. Only God could do a miracle here. And, and now we look today, and, and Damar Hamlin, he's alive He was discharged from the hospital, and rumor has it he's probably going to be at the Bills' first playoff game today. Incredible. His heart had stopped twice. They had to get his heart going twice. He had died twice, basically. And it was interesting. I was watching this interview with the Bills' quarterback, Josh Allen, and Josh Allen basically said in front of all these reporters, this is a God thing. There's no other way to describe it. This was God. And Ritasha and I actually, we were watching this and this all happened, and we prayed for this guy too. We prayed for DeMar Hamlin, and we prayed specifically that God would heal this guy so that God's glory might be revealed to the world. We prayed, God, would you heal DeMar Hamlin so that more people might come to believe in who you are? And that's kind of what happened in this story. These boys prayed for God to do something impossible for them, and when God did it, God's glory was revealed. God, Daniel is saying to King Nebuchadnezzar here, there's a God in heaven that you need to know about, King Nebuchadnezzar, who doesn't believe in God. That there is a God who reveals secrets. And oftentimes, if you look at our culture today, I think a lot of times people see that maybe aren't in the Christian faith, that don't believe in God, they see prayer as basically this crutch for weak people. You might hear this sometimes, that oh, praying's not for me. Praying's for people that just don't know what else to do. It's for weak people to make them feel better about themselves, to cope with their pain. All right, And they may think that, but if you look at this story, that is not it in this story. This is not some weakness here, because if God does not answer this prayer, they all die. This isn't just a situation to deal with pain. This is desperate prayer for God to save their lives. Because if God doesn't answer this prayer, they die. And it makes me think about our prayers. What do you pray to God about? 
When you guys circle up in your small groups on Wednesday nights, what do you guys pray to God about? Do we go to God with the surface level, simple requests that are reasonable things that could happen, that we could look in the world today and say, well, if God answers this prayer, maybe it's just because this just naturally would happen? Or do we need to start praying boldly for God to work in the really hard realities of life? The things that we sit in our small group with that we don't really want to talk about, the things that we sit in our small group with that are really hard that we don't think God could ever heal, and so we're not going to ask for prayer for that? Do we stay on the surface level, or do we go, God, or do we go to God for the big things, the hard things, the impossible things, the things that if they get answered, it's only because God could do it? I'm looking at this story and I'm thinking about all of the reasonable requests the boys could have prayed that would have been a lot easier than what they asked for. They could have went to God and said, God, just, just don't let us die. Maybe King Nebuchadnezzar will forget about us or maybe he'll change his mind. Or, or, or these boys could have prayed, God, God, help us find a chance to just run away, to run away and escape this place. But they don't pray for that. They pray, God, tell us what this guy dreamed. That's a bold prayer. That's an only God can do that kind of prayer. And I want to encourage our ministry this year. I want us to seek God intensely in prayer this year. To not stay on the surface level anymore. To go deep in our prayers, to pray bold prayers about the deep things we want to see God work in. And the truth is, I think we don't always do that because we don't believe God really can. I don't, I don't want to pray for God to heal this part of my life. I don't want to pray for God to do this miracle in my life because if he doesn't, then I don't want to lose my faith in him, so I'm just not going to pray. But if you're in here today and, and maybe you don't believe God can answer that prayer for you, I just want you to look at this story and I want to tell you that God can answer any prayer as bold as it is, and this story proves it. Number one, if you look at this story, God infiltrated the subconscious of a pagan king. Okay, so if you're in the room today and you don't believe in God, you don't believe in prayer. Okay, I just want to tell you, even you are not immune to God working in your life. Even if you don't believe in him, God can work in the life of those that don't even believe. God infiltrated the subconscious of a king that doesn't even believe in him, that doesn't even honor him. That's crazy. Number two, God revealed a dream and didn't didn't just reveal this dream, he explained it to Daniel. And number three, God was at work in the whole situation. And so if you're in here today, and I don't know if God can do this. If God can do this, God can do it. Now, I think it's important to understand what the dream was. So let me explain what the dream was. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream of a statue, and I have this picture that basically is a representation of what the Bible is describing. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream of a statue, and, and the statue is like a head of gold, a, a chest of silver, a, a, a waist of bronze, legs of iron, and feet of like iron and clay is basically what King Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about. And it's what Daniel explains in the rest of the chapter. King Nebuchadnezzar, this is what you dreamed. And, and this dream, then Daniel explains. And Daniel goes and says, King Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. God has given you favor, and he has given you power over all of these nations. 
Okay? But after you, King Nebuchadnezzar, your nation's going to fall and there's going to come another one. All right? And then there's going to come another one, and then there's going to come another one, and then there's going to come another one. King Nebuchadnezzar, you're just one king and a line of kings that God allows to rule. And at the end of this dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had, King Nebuchadnezzar sees this rock that's cut from a mountain, not by human hands, and it rolls down the hill, it strikes the feet of this statue, and the statue crumbles, and it turns to rubble, and it blows away in the wind. And then in this dream, this rock grows and grows and grows until it's this giant mountain that can never be moved. And Daniel says, King Nebuchadnezzar, you may be powerful, you may have your power, you may have your kingdom right now, but there are going to be more kingdoms that come. But you know what? Even those kingdoms don't matter because there's this eternal kingdom that's going to come and it's going to establish itself and it's never going to go away. And you don't stand a chance to it. Here are two truths about God from this dream, from this story that Daniel shares. Number one, God is in complete control. King Nebuchadnezzar, you may think you're in control here, but you're not. God is in control. And whether you believe it or you don't, God is in control. The second thing, God loves to answer prayer. And God loves to share his wisdom, his grace, and his power. Now, is it going to turn out like Daniel every time? No, it's not. Is it always going to be exactly what we ask for? No, it's not. And and some of us may be sitting in here like, I I wish God, I, I, I wish this would be like me, that God would just reveal a dream like this so specifically. I wish that this would happen in my life. And If that's you in here today, I I would first like you to consider, perhaps you don't wish for the circumstances that Daniel and the boys were in when God has to do these things, that your life is ready to go die, right? But I think about this, and and some of us in the room, we may be in here, and and we may be saying, okay, but I've been praying this prayer for a long time, and I just feel like it hasn't been answered, and I want to encourage you here today, and maybe this isn't an encouragement, but it is, it is a truth about God. I, I don't believe God ever doesn't answer prayer. I just think sometimes the answer is no. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes, though, you do have to sit in that, that the answer is no. Or maybe it's a not yet. But God answers prayer. And to be vulnerable with you guys for a little bit, I, I feel like Ratasha and I, we, we've prayed prayers recently that we feel like the answer right now has been no. And it's hard to sit in that. But what we need to understand is that we're praying to a God that can. And so maybe it's a not yet, maybe it's a never, but we're going to sit in the faith and the trust that God can. So I know there are harsh realities in the room. And my first encouragement for you is to, is to pray for those things. And here's my takeaway from this story as we live in a broken world of pain, of shame, and evil. Pray. Pray more. Pray often. And pray to the only God that can. Pray for the impossible things. And here's what it really comes down to and how I feel and how I hope you guys will feel. I would rather pray to a God that can than not pray at all. In this story, 
Only one God showed up. And it's the only God that could. It's the only God that could show up. And, and that God has this rock, has this mountain that will never, ever crumble. That's the God I want to pray to all the time. With that, let me pray to him. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the message, we'd love it if you would join us on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. for our Eastview Students High School service. We also want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast and share it to your social media accounts. To stay up to date, check us out on Instagram at EastviewHSM and check out our Eastview Students YouTube channel. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.